0: Welcome to the Happen to Your Career podcast, episode eight. Hey, Scott.
1: Hey, Mark. If you were
0: to pick one person that had more to do with your career journey and transition than anyone else, who would you pick?
2: Oh, that's an easy one. I'd go with Dan Miller. Hey, didn't you interview
0: him
1: for the podcast? Yeah, I did. Hey, you know what? That's actually oh. going today. Oh, can I listen? Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is Happened to Your Career, the show that is all about helping you move to work you love. We want you to do work that fits your unique and signature strengths. We will bring you inspiration, tools, and roadmaps to help you in your journey. I'm Scott Anthony Barlow, and happy that you're here. We are so extremely excited to have Dan Miller on the show today. Dan is the author of New York Times bestseller 48 Days to the Work You Love, No More Dreaded Mondays, and Wisdom Meets Passion. He has been a guest on CBS's The Early Show, MSNBC's Hardball with Chris Matthews, and The Dave Ramsey Show. Dan has spoken at the White House Christian Fellowship and is in high demand at national conferences speaking on aging and changes in the workplace, as well as at universities and churches. Over 130,000 people have subscribed to his weekly newsletter. His 48 Days podcast consistently ranks in the top three under careers on iTunes, and the 48days.net business community is viewed as an example around the world for those seeking to find or create work they love. Dan, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. to be your guest. Well, could you take a
2: moment and just share a little bit more about yourself both personally and professionally and help our audience
1: really get to know you? Sure. Well, I didn't have some magical elitist upbringing. Believe me, I had a great chance to grow up on a farm. My dad was bivocational, at a little tiny church for which he was paid nothing, but then we farmed so he got a living to keep food on the table. So I had the pleasure of learning a little bit about plumbing, electrical, mechanics, all kinds of things, how to grow things, turn them into food to eat. So it was a rich childhood in many ways. But I very quickly realized that I wanted to expand my horizon. I wanted to expand my opportunity beyond what it seemed was going to be my destiny there. So I discovered this magical thing called books and started immersing myself in books to stretch my thinking and made me believe. There really was a bigger world out there. And that's continued on into today. I did go on to college as a way to expand my opportunities, undergraduate school, and uh, along the way, discovered the power of personal learning and growth, and just did a variety of things. And it's not where I figured out the work I was going to do, the one thing I was going to do for the rest of my life. I've always enjoyed the work that I did, but I've done a variety of things teaching, selling used cars, motor home rental business, health business centers, a lot of sales opportunities. And it really wasn't until I was about 45, that I found this amazing opportunity to help other people navigate through those inevitable and relentless career transitions. So since that time, I've had the privilege of being, most people refer to as a life coach and i turned that into being able to write some books about it but so I've taken that one area of intellectual expertise and then leverage it in multiple ways. So it's been an amazing ride and now I have the opportunity to be positioned as an author, speaker, coach, and teach other people how to leverage their intellectual expertise' one of my sweet spots right now is I think I speak on most, but it's just helping people find how to expand their voice. Well, that's perfect,
2: and that amazing ride is exactly what we want to talk about. We want to talk a little bit and delve into the journey. So you mentioned, you know, you really didn't really didn't hit some of that until about forty five when, when you know, you found a few different things. Can you take us there and help us understand, you know, what was it at that point in time that started leading down the path where you're at now? You know,
1: really, the point where I had the opportunity to expand my voice the most is when I was feeling like I wanted to be quiet the most because it was at the end of a, a very painful experience. I had some early success in business, enjoyed the things that I did, and just leveraged one idea onto the next. And then I found myself in a very tough position. I'd made some changes in a health and fitness center that I had just in terms of how we structured membership fees. And at the same time, the bank that I had open ended kind of a relationship with, just based on a handshake, changed ownership three times in two years. This was back when banks were really volatile, and it changed three times in two years. And all of a sudden, those nice guys, New Dan, were no longer there. And the new guys looking at their books and, geez, we got this young kid at these open lines of credit. We don't want to do this. They really put the screws to me and ultimately put me in a position where I sold public offices, public auction, and woke up the next morning and realized I owed about $430,000 to people who I thought I ought to keep my word to. So that, at that point, I knew I had a couple clear choices. One, I mean, everybody advised me to file bankruptcy, or, or, but I was raised Mennonite. I don't know if you know much about that, but if there's one thing that is, of the Amish Mennonite heritage that I came out of is that your word is your bond. If you give your word, that's more binding than a paper contract. And I thought, I can't just walk away from these things that I have to give my word on. I said, I need to work my way out of this hole that I've created. And I did decide in fact to do that. So I didn't file bankruptcy and I said, I'm going to pay these people back. And I told people if you me, I don't have anything. If you just work with me, I'll pay you something every month. And I did that. Well, being the opposite, okay, I know, I pay a couple of years, I'll knock this out and go on with my life. Well, things got a little complicated because one of the vendors that I owed that money to was the IRS. The IRS wow. is the most difficult vendor in the world to work with. They don't then, they don't understand the penalties and interest. astronomical made that more complicated than I ever anticipated, and it took me all Twelve years, clean the slate, and then move on. But during that time, I found that people were coming to me and saying, "Wow, I've watched you in this tough transition and how you handled that. You know, I've got a situation that I'm dealing with. Can I talk to you about how I might approach this?" And it opened the door, just like a floodgate, for me to do this thing we call coaching. And it was a, it was like I really found. Uh, so it was at my very lowest point, financially professionally, that I found this opportunity that now has blossomed into what I'm able to do today. so then,
2: at that lowest point, you know you discovered discovered coaching and discovered you know some opportunities there. How did you take advantage of those opportunities then?
1: One of the things that I started doing is my wife and I started teaching a Sunday school class. Our church on career life transition. Well, it was like there was a background. We started having realized we had people not only from other churches, but from other states, who were coming for that high school class. So We changed from a Sunday morning to Monday night to make it easier for people. We did that for eight years, doing that just strictly as a volunteer kind of thing as ministry, never dreaming that that would have anything to do with income generation. I continued in selling. Selling has always been an easy fallback position for me to have an opportunity to create income, and I was doing that, doing that quite well at that point. But the needs of the people that were coming to the classes went beyond just the class itself. I was had lunch meetings, dinner meetings, Saturday morning meetings, and finally got to the point where my wife said, look, you're going to spend this much time in this particular area. You need to figure out how to have that part of our income generation rather than just taking away from the time that you generating mm. income. So I very softly looked at that and offered the opportunity for people to pay me for the coaching. I did it very timidly. had a lot of concerns even about how to turn something that I was doing just as a ministry into something that created income. When I did, it was like a damn broke. It was like people now saw me as a real professional rather than just a nice guy who volunteers his time. And that's that that interesting phenomenon took place. And so I started coaching. People were asking for material. They'd hear me speak. I have a son-in-law who hasn't worked for three months. What can I give him to help him understand what you just talked about? I didn't have anything. Well, I ultimately put together just the rough notes that I was using teach from, put it in a three-ring binder with a couple CDs in there to explain the principles. And in about a two-year period, I sold over $2 million worth of that. Then I had traditional publishers knocking on my door saying, we want to take the material and turn it into a traditional trade book. I would never seen myself as an author, but it was that material that was then turned into 48 Days of Working Love. That went on to be a New York Times bestseller, continues to sell extremely well. I'm just now doing a revision that will be released in November of 2014 as 10th anniversary edition of that book. So a lot of things have developed from that that's given me just unfold opportunities to speak, write, and coach.
2: Well, that's fantastic, and thank you for sharing. I listen to your show all the time, and I learned uh, a couple of things that I didn't know about you, so I I really appreciate it. (laughs) And, and I'm apparently going to have to, as soon as that comes out, stock up on the 10th Anniversary Edition. I, uh, <laughs> I you know, I actually have, uh, I'm looking at my desk over here. I've got three three copies of that uh, book sitting on the edge of the desk. I give it away all the time. So I appreciate you writing it in the uh, first place.
1: Well, thank you for being a spreader of that book. It's been an amazing way to leverage that message and hopefully to give inspiration. Find new things, find new fulfillment in their own life, absolutely my
2: pleasure now let me let me pull you back here for just a second. You know you work with people all the time, and you know one of the things that we talk about quite frequently on this show is is people's strengths and how they do great work and how they can do what uh, what fits them now what uh, what was it for you? What really helped you discover what your strengths are? And then I would also say, what advice would you give to others that really want to discover and understand their strength?
1: Well, I have tried a lot of things, which is what I encourage people to do. Too often I think people sit on the sidelines hoping to discover that one thing. There really isn't one thing that somebody can do effectively. Especially in the early part of career, best thing to do is try a lot of things. Trying a lot of things helps in the clarification process. I think a lot of people too quickly artificially choose one thing they're going to do. I mean we see the pressure put on you know, kids in high school to choose the college major and the college major and determines they're going to go to law school or dental school or whatever. And all of a sudden they to forty two years old and say, Wow, you know, I'm not sure this is yet. I didn't have a chance to explore anything else. I encourage people to do a lot of things. I've done a lot of things that I've very thoroughly enjoyed. And I love the car business. People find that strange, you know, today because I'm in such this intellectual capital kind of space. I love things that are real, tangible, cars, tractors, and boats, landscaping, remodeling. I still really value those kind of things a lot. So it was never just one distance where I woke up ah, this is one thing. I still have a lot of variety in the things that I do. I create a lot of variety in my, in my weekly schedule because I would get bored if I did one thing only. I love to write. But if I did only that, I'd run out of material. You can't write in a vacuum. You have to engage the world around me. You know, I love to speak. Do you know what? I don't really want to speak in terms of Doing like, you know, where I have to travel and all that. I really don't want to do that more than once or twice a month. I love to coach. At this point, I coach personally about one day a month. So I have a variety of things that I still enjoy that really draw on a variety of strengths, personality skills, you know, that I have. Well, I, I'm not one to say, well, you got to just narrow down. There's only one thing that you were born to do. Eh, you can choose eight or ten different careers, and you ought to be equally successful in having chosen any one of those. Well, that I'm, does seem a little strange for a career coach guy. I've seen that borne out time and time again. You
2: know, I don't think it's strange, and I'm actually really glad you said that, because so many people, you know, I think it's actually a myth somehow in society that you've got to find the one thing somehow and it's it's gotta it's gonna be perfect when you find it, and you know all of these mm-hmm. different thoughts that go through people's head that somehow get circulated around and you know what i what I am pleasantly um'm not necessarily surprised to hear you say because i've I've heard you say it before in other fashions, but i'm very glad to hear you say is that you know you you have to for many people put a variety in there and you have to be able to cater to a variety of strengths. That's what uh, what I'm taking from that. And I, I very much appreciate it because I, I get asked that question all the time. So, you know, you're you're doing this. Um, you know, you're doing you're doing coaching, you're doing speaking, you're doing all of these other things. And, you know, the second piece of that question was, what advice would you offer to others? You know, people who are, are looking for their strengths, looking for their variety, looking for, you know, what might be good for them and fit them. What uh, what other advice would
1: you offer them? Sure. I hear a lot of times from parents say, wow, I've got this 25-year-old. You know, he went to college, got his degree, but he's still just going from job to job trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing. You know, how can I get him to find one thing and zero in on that stop doing all these other things? I tell him, have him enjoy the journey. I mean, tell him to call me in 10 years. After having continued to try a lot of different things, it's artificial to just say, no, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should figure this out. I mean, when I think about I, I had a gentleman one time who was, who was at 44 years old, and in. one of the first things he said to me that I thought was so profound, he said, I'm tired of living my life based on the decisions that were made by an 18-year-old. Isn't that awesome? And they, he, in looking back, he realized the direction of his life had been shaped when he was 18 years old. What does an 18-year-old know about life? They need some life
2: experience
1: before they really have the wisdom to ask the right questions. That's why most of the coaching that I do is with people who are 45, 55, or even older, because they have enough experience to ask the right questions. So I have a lot of grace people who are still trying to figure it out when they're 25 and 30 years old. Because I think that's a reasonable process. I think it's a process that has more likelihood of leading to something extremely fulfilling than having to artificially make that choice when you're 18 or 20 years old. You know,
2: you you talk about, uh, you, at the beginning of that, you mentioned raising children. And I, I got to just say thank you, because even though your your podcast and much of what uh, what you write isn't isn't targeted towards you know raising children. I I still take quite a bit away from that. It's uh, it's funny how many times I'll you know, have have taken a nugget out and then go and have a conversation with my wife, and we've got three little kids, six and under. So I I didn't think that would come up on the show today, but
1: uh, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I love to watch those things unfold in as much as I've said, we don't want to force kids to make those one decisions too early. It's also marvelous to watch them explore and find their own voice. We just had an event here at the Sanctuary, a barn uh-huh. that I worked in out in South Franklin, Tennessee. And my granddaughter, Clara, who is six, sold her money. Now, she decided she wanted her own digital camera. So her parents had one that was when they had stepped up from, um, when they got a new one recently, but instead of just giving it to her, they told her it would be $25, and then they told her they'd help her figure out how she could get $25. Well, one of those things is she likes to make muffins with her mom, and she does a pretty good job on her own. She made her muff. she asked her, she says when are you going to have one of those things where you have a lot of people come to the sanctuary? <laughs> and it was coming up in a couple, a couple of days. It turned out really well. She set up her own little booth, made her own sign. And of course, she had a pretty captive audience here, so it was really cute to watch. She sold her muffins, 25 cents a piece, two for 50 cents on her sign. She made the money to then get that camera on her own. I love that kind of opportunity I and mean, the principles that make great adults start when they are children that's why i value my upbringing, where a lot of people would see it as being very poor and deprived me, it was very rich a Variety of experiences really allowed me to do my own experimentation for what would ultimately be selling
2: that is uh that is so funny i uh <laughs> we talk all the time Alyssa and i my wife and you know Try and understand how to get those experiences into our children's lives, much like what you speak of. And we actually did the exact same thing. We did a garage sale, believe it or not, the other day, and had had our daughter and our, our son make cookies. You know, much the same thing as the the you know the muffins or uh-huh. cakes that you described. And our daughter had a great time talking to people and and selling those things, and ended up completely selling out, and she was so proud. So now she's uh, <laughs> she's on a sales kick.
1: Ah, that's great. When they learn that, boys create pattern. They know if you want something, There's a process to get it. Those kids don't grow up, hold their hands out, and the government, you know, to give them a check. Now, if you do something that has value, people will pay you for that, and you can get anything you want. Yeah, yeah.
2: Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift the course of the interview a, a little bit and, and bring us back to you and you know, you've you've described for us uh, in over the last about twenty minutes or so here, you know, kind of the full scope of your career and taken us through quite a bit. But I'm wondering who along the way has inspired you? What are one or two people that have uh have been an example for you throughout your life or your career? And tell us how they've made an impact.
1: Wow, I've think- so many people. But uh, you don't have to wait for somebody to help you. We have access to so much today through audio programs, seminars, workshops, books, where we can take the brightest minds in the world, what I call the Masters of Achievement, and learn from them. I had people like Big Big Dennis Wheatley. I was really profoundly impacted by the audio recording that Earl Nightingale did, went on to become... Audio that sold over a hundred thousand copies was, was the strangest secret. It's the idea that we become what we think about. That became a foundational principle for me. We didn't have radio or TV in our home, so I was drawn to these things that opened up my world
2: in a way that
1: gave me how life principles, positive principles, rather than some of the things that I adapted as life. And I'm I'm grateful for that. Very good. And, And thank you again for sharing. I really appreciate it.
2: So, Dan, if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little bit about what you're working on right now, what's exciting you, and
1: where our audience can find you. Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. I told somebody yesterday that I am more excited about going into 2014 than I think I've ever had been about any year in my life. Now, I've had a lot of successes and a lot of fun doing things. There's opportunities that are just exploding all around us. Here's an example. I've had a lot of success writing books. I've two book manuscripts I'm working right now. I, I love the process. However, when you look at it just from a business perspective, things have changed. If I sell I have a book that sells 10,000 so with the author-royalty agreement, let's just use this round figure, that I'm going to get a dollar of on a book. So with that, it's so $10,000. Now, that's not a lot, but, but it would be reasonable. I mean, most the average books is not that $10,000. Let's use it as an example. That would give me $10,000. I'm working on, I just completed a video series. It's one hour long. We're not talking about anything near the length of a book. This one hour would be about one. What a book is. My audio is my book's usually six hours long. This is a one hour training on how to your own mastermind group, and how to create one. In doing that, we have eight short videos in the total 60 minutes with the text that goes with that, that's about 60 pages long. If we put that up, which we're going to do at 48 hours, what if we sold 10,000 copies? And not big numbers. We're not talking about get to sell $260,000 To be a New York Times, just like ten thousand. What if we sold ten thousand copies of that? That's almost half a million dollars. It's just a different way of presenting content, but it's a way that's so readily available to us to engage directly with people without having to have a lot of gatekeepers going through publishers and newspapers and all those kind of things. And we can go directly to the market. Those kind of things just blow my mind when I look at the potential. Of course, what we're anticipating is a lot more than ten thousand. We have having built an audience over the years. And I love that kind of thing. Now I'm also working on we're going to be launching a super mastermind group. Uh, I'm not ready to give away some of the details, but it's mind blowing in terms of what we can do to connect people so they can link on to each other, have access to the best talent in the world, resources that would be hard to get otherwise, and the potential for what that's going to look like. is extremely exciting to me. So those are some things that I'm working on right now, new ways of presenting my core message. So it's not just, again, between hardcover and another 240 pages. That's one way. I'll continue to do that. There's so many other ways to leverage that. So I'm thrilled about that. In terms of getting in touch with me, 48days.com, obviously, we kind of branded around the 48 days. So that's the where you to find us. A lot of resources there. And 48days.net is our networking community. It cost to be a part of that. People come in there, they do share ideas, much what I just described about a mastermind group. About 14,000 people in there at this point who readily share resources, how to get things done, and we've seen some amazing stories come out of that. So, need either 48days.net or 48days.com. Perfect. And thank you for, for
2: sharing. And we'll get. Links up to all of those different things as they become available and put those in the show notes on happentoyourcareer.com. But Dan, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I really appreciate all of the advice. I learned a few new things, to say the least. So thank you very much.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure, Scott.
2: And now it's time for the HTYC recap with Mark Sievercrop. Mark! How's it going? It's going well. How are you, Scott? I'm doing awesome. Hey, you sounded
0: like you really enjoyed that interview with Dan. I love that interview with Dan. I am a huge fan. You know, so am I. And, and you know, you you talked about how his books were some of the ones that really helped you. And, and 48 Days to the Work You Love was one that really inspired me as well. So I loved listening to this interview and being able to glean some more um, ideas and, and wisdom from Dan as you guys talked, and I came up with three things that really stuck out to me. The first was, you know, he talked about, you know, he found himself what $400,000 in debt and he talked about how he kept his word. And I think that's so important for people to remember, you know, as you're transitioning from a job that you might not necessarily like, you know, we talked about that recently in the Chris Lacerto episode where Chris talks about, you know, giving a hundred percent, even when you don't love what you're doing. And I think that goes back to the keeping your word that Dan's talking about is, you know, You've agreed to work for someone. So give all you can until you can get to something else. So keeping your word is huge, and it really makes a good impression on future employers. It makes a good impression on coworkers. It makes a good impression on your, um, your, your current employer. So definitely take that knowledge and that, that wisdom that he gleaned uh, from when he was in debt and paying off that debt and apply it to your career journey. The second thing that he really hammered hard, and I've heard him say many times, is try a lot of things you know, try different things, find out what you like to do. And, and I thought it was really unique. And, and he's unique in this, that he does say that there's several things that you could do well. And I know I've heard him talk about other times that, you know, you, you pick 20 ideas, business ideas, and you narrow it down to three or four, and then you try those and you see what happens. And, you know, Dan's a great example of doing different things. He's done tons of different things in his life, and he's been very successful at all of them. And I think we can take that to heart as well, that there's not necessarily just one thing that we can do. And along the same lines is that. We need to be patient. You know, if you are starting your career journey and you haven't figured out exactly what you want to do with the rest of your life in the next, you know, 37 and a half minutes, (laughs) don't be discouraged. Keep trying things. Keep working at it. Keep figuring out what you're passionate about. Keep figuring out where your strengths lie. And sooner or later, you'll fall into and you'll figure out what you want to be doing, whether that's a certain job or whether it's starting a business or um, getting some education somehow. Uh, Those things will come if you'll just keep trying things and keep experimenting and keep learning, those things will come to you and you'll find out what you really want to be doing with your life. And the third one kind of has, has to do with that as well. He said, uh, you don't have to wait for someone to help you. And he was talking about how it's so easy to get um, information and training through books and seminars and videos and um, you know all these different things that you don't have to wait for someone to help you. You don't have to say, Well, when, you know, when somebody finally teaches me how to do this, I'll be able to do X, Y, Z. You have all of those things available to you, especially now with the Internet. I mean, it's so prevalent, so easy to, you know, hop on YouTube and learn how to do something or, um, you know, watch somebody train, uh, do a training or do a seminar or, um, you know, download a book or, or whatever it is. You can you really are in the driver's seat as far as your personal development and moving to work that you love and really refining your strengths with the society and the technology that we have today. So those are the three things that I found, out, found from the Dan Miller episode that really, really helped me. And so for the people listening, the question that we have for you this week and go to the show notes at to your backslash Dan-Miller and answer this question. And that question is, what can you try this week that will lead you to what you enjoy doing.
2: Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Mark, thank you very much. Hey, thanks again for listening to Happen to Your Career. We really appreciate it. Now, if you love the show, don't forget to go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to recognizing all our five-star reviewers right here, right now. It's that part of the show. Thank you very much to Wealth Pursuit for the five stars. Thank you, Elijah Gessley, for the five stars. We sure appreciate it. And thank you to Joshua Waldman, who was also on the show and a fantastic guest. So go to HappenToYourCareer.com. Check out the blog. Check out our resources so you can move to work you love. Thank you. We're out.